Hello out there, bibliophiles, and welcome back to another episode of Drew Archives in 10. I'm Andrew Salvati, adjunct professor of media and communications here at Drew University. And I am with Candace Riley, manager of special collections in the beautiful new ITC recording studio. Candace, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about you? Good, good. Good to see you. It's been a while since we've done one of these. Yeah. So uh, I'm excited to pick it up where we left off. Absolutely. What do you have for us? So I wanted to first talk about um, a really fun new exhibit that my student Elliot Franklin curated. So it's called Historic Bibles Within Our Collections. So we're focusing on four Bibles um, that have some historical significance. And Elliot just curated this, and it's going to be on display for the next few months within the lobby in Special Collections. So if you go in, it's right in front of the reading room of two cases. So we were inspired to do this exhibit because we got two donations of Bibles over the past few months, which has been okay. really exciting. So one of them was actually donated by Elliot and his father, Reverend, Reverend Franklin. Um, it's the Geneva Bible. So okay. do you know anything about the Geneva Bible? I do not. So the Geneva Bible was printed in 1578, and it is unique among all other Bibles. So it was printed in 1578 and was the first Bible to use chapters and numbered verses, and it became the most popular version of its time because of its extensive marginal notes. Um, the notes were written by Reformation leaders like John Calvin. So that means previous Bible printings didn't have those. Exactly, yes. So when you're looking at the Bible um, in the margins, they're printed too. So then they're, they're kind of guiding you along, yeah. which is really helpful. And if a lot of Bibles printed now have that guiding sure, with it. Sure, sure, yeah. So, I mean, when you're going to look at a book that's over a thousand pages, it's really helpful to kind of have those annotations there. So this book started that which is really wonderful. Yeah. It's it's like the old uh, papyrus scrolls, I think, of Homer's Iliad and Odyssey, which, if memory serves, didn't have the books enumerated at all. Oh, yeah. And there was no. very little punctuation or anything. Oh, so absolutely. In my mind, that means, yeah, it's just a, a innumerable lines of... Yes. ...capitalized text, right? And where does one sentence uh, begin and the other end? We have in our earlier Bibles that we have in the collection, you know, you have like the chapter headings, mm. but you don't have that much broken down. Like you may have like a different color or a slightly larger initial to start that chapter. Okay. But nothing too amazing like you get in the Breaches Bible. This, I think, is a really, it's the first really study Bible that you can go through and really comprehend everything that you yeah. have. So it's taking a new look at what the Bible's for. But what is most famous about the Geneva Bible, um, besides the woodcuts, Bible maps, tables, and all of that great stuff, it is known as the Breaches Bible. So okay. that's the nickname for that. And that is because it is referring to the use of the word breaches instead of the word apron in the translation of Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. So it quotes, says, um, Then the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig tree leaves together and made themselves breeches. So it's known as the Breaches Bible, because they made breeches instead of aprons to cover their nakedness. Another exciting part about the Geneva Bible, um, it, was, it was established as the authoritative translation um, of the Hebrew and Greek originals, um, over 140 editions. And Puritans who were escaping from England and heading to the States, they took with them the Geneva Bible 
not the King James Bible. Okay. So it was a preferred Bible for them. All right. So which is interesting. For the Puritans, right, to bring that to mm-hmm. the United States or yeah. North America anyway. Um, that says a lot about, I think, Puritan book culture at the time. Absolutely. Which, of course, then folds into New England book culture and mm-hmm. uh, gets us wonderful things like uh, our, our enjoyed right to free speech because information and the value of the book uh, was so powerful among these early Puritan communities, right? Yeah. And uh, that they chose a book with these extensive marginal annotations, I think, says something about uh, how much time they spent with these books and, and reading and how that was so important to their culture. Yeah, and they're also picking a book that was not as popular. The King James was one of the most right. popularly printed texts ever. So that they made a, a decision. Like, I'm not yeah. going to go for the most popular printed Bible at the time. So it speaks volumes. <laughs> yeah. <but I'm>, sh- <laughs> um, so... It's kind of like it it beat the King James a little bit for that. Um, And it was recently donated, as I said. Um, So we're really excited and grateful that we now have the Geneva Bible in our collection because we are very famously have the King James Bible, which is also within these cases was printed in 1611. The King James Bible also on display, another large Bible, Mm -hmm. also 1611. Our Bible is very special because it is known as the He Bible. Have we talked about the King James Bible before? No, not on this podcast. So um, the King James Bible within our collection was rediscovered actually by a previous head of special collections, Brian Shetler, many years ago. So it was on a shelf in the archives, as many of our books are, and like our closed stacks. And he recognized that the name Robert Barker, 1611, was on the spine of like the box. Okay. And he's like wait, I know this, this is important. And he opened it and noticed it was a King James Bible. So it was always there. It was cataloged, but not with a ton of information. Mm -hmm. So that's when he kind of went through it, noticed it was really important. And then he then verified that it was a truly first edition, first printing of the King James Bible, noting the points in the book to tell you that like, okay, it was one of these first printings. Um, One of the more important parts is the fact that there's a misprinting in the Book of Ruth, and that's why it's known as the He Bible. So in the Book of Ruth, chapter 3, verse 15, our edition, which is the first edition, says he went into the city, where it's supposed to say she went into the city. So the printers forgot the letter S, Mm -hmm. therefore making it a He Bible. When they noticed the mistake, they stopped the printing, fixed it, but books were printed with that mistake, and we have one of those books. And there are fewer than 200 available to this day. Oh, wow. So it's very so special. Really special. Yeah. Um, so it's a great example as well of, like, printing history and yep. looking at mishaps. So we have the King James Bible on display, the 1611 Archie Bible. We have our New Geneva Bible. We have the Polyglot Bible, which we had on display in a previous case, but we wanted to now bring that in conversation with now these other Bibles. And the Polyglot Bible also known as the Bible Regia, printed in Antwerp in 1568. Um, It was a really popular Bible because it had five languages within it. It had Hebrew, Greek, Syriac, Latin, and Aramaic. So another printing amazing story Mm -hmm. showing that these different languages can work together and you can understand them them differently from the original translation. So the polyglots on display as well. And then our newest donation, even after the Geneva Bible, was the first printed 
Bible in New Jersey, 1791, um, printed by Isaac Collins. Okay, I know a little bit about Isaac Collins. I did a little research uh, back a few years ago about almanacs, which right. nearly every printer produced uh, as a uh, reliable uh, earner for, mm -hmm. uh, for printers. So I, I believe he was from Burlington, is that right? Yes. We have that Bible now, and we also have the introduction, which is special, written by Reverend uh, John Witherspoon, and he was a Presbyterian minister, signer of the Declaration of Independence, and president of the College of New Jersey, later known as Princeton University. Yeah. Okay. So we have a lot of New Jersey history within this one Bible. Sure. And it is now on display as well in comparison to these other ones. So do take a look. Um, they're really special, but I think what's also special is that these two amazing Bibles came to us within the semester, and so, we're yeah. very grateful for that. Taking taking donations all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's now you can see them on display. So people who donate, we your items are used, <laughs> sure. and they're studied by our students immediately. So it's a, it's really great seeing special collections in action with this exhibit. Wonderful. So listeners, uh, stop on by the uh, archives lobby and check out these four amazing Bibles. Yeah, and thank you to Elliot Franklin, our student worker who did the curation. Wonderful. Well, thanks very much for sharing these with us, Candace. Absolutely. That's our show. To take a look at some of the materials we've discussed on this and other episodes of Drew Archives in 10, head on over to the Special Collections and University Archives website at drew.edu forward slash library forward slash S-C-U-A. You can also check out images of some of the materials at the Drew University Participatory Archives at dupaarchive.org. That's D-U-P-A-R-C-H-I-V-E dot org. There's a lot of great stuff there, and the collection is growing every week, so I hope you check it out. That's it for now. And remember, you can now find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. So if you like the show, give us a follow. If you love us, share us with a friend, or consider leaving us a rating and review. We'd love to know what you think. So for myself, Dr. Andrew Salvati, and for Candice Riley, Manager of Special Collections, we'll see you next time on Drew Archives in 10.